Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. Hi, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled, and I'm super excited to talk to our guest today because he knows a little bit about marketing. Like he's a marketing expert. So if you guys want to know anything about marketing, and I'm not just talking about like content creation, which is one little piece of marketing, we're really going to get into the guts of the foundation of where to start before you actually start marketing your brand. So Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Angela. I'm excited to be here. I'm super excited. So before we jump off and like talk about marketing, so y'all, before we started recording, I'm like, Rialto. And y'all, I'm like from the country, I'm like, Realto Marketing, (laughs) which is his his company name. I'm like, I want to make sure that I say it correctly and not like in the country way. And so he was telling me this cool story. So before we hop off, I want you to tell people, how did you name your marketing company and where did it come from? The name? Yes. So it's, it's twofold. One is the, it's named after the Rialto Bridge in Venice. Uh, that's where my wife and I started our honeymoon. So it's, you know, it's a place near and dear to my heart. Um, it's also an amazing place. But the other reason I named it after a bridge is the way I look at marketing is it helps people get from where they are to where they want to be. And that's exactly what bridges mm. do. So that's how it came about. Two reasons. I love that because there is a meaning and a purpose and y'all, we were laughing before I started. I'm like, okay, let's record because this is good stuff. But it's like, it's so true. It's like you have the perception of what you think as a business owner, what marketing is and what it should be and how you should market your company. And then you have the consumer that you need to educate on what your company does and the perception, which the brand and I can't remember. It's like it, in the, what you think your brand is and what the consumer think your brand is it's like two different things. And then yes. like, like you said, the, the bridge, you know, gets that gap together. And so I love that meaning. That's like my favorite thing today. I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> so how did you know, before you founded your company, tell our, our listeners and our viewers, how did you even get into marketing? Like what was your path or your, your entrepreneurial journey to know like, okay, I'm going to start a marketing firm. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, my path was not straight like most entrepreneurs. It's, it was a winding road. We're, we're all used to that. But uh, I, when I graduated from college, I had no idea what the hell I wanted to do. And my, my dad had been a manufacturer's representative for a long time. He had owned his own business for a long time. And shortly before I graduated, he had started a wholesale distribution company selling consumer electronics. So it was related to his his main business, his rep company. He had no full-time employees. I graduated and I was like, look, I know you need some help. Let me help you for the first three months over the summer while I figure out what the hell I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And he was like, okay, cool, great. Well, that was all she wrote. I mean, I got into it and I just, I loved it. 
I was just soaking up information like a sponge. I learned more in six months doing that than I did in four years of college. And at the end of the summer, I just said, hey, if you'll have me, I love doing this. I would love to just keep doing it. And he said, absolutely. So I became the first full-time employee. I managed the distribution company on a day-to-day basis while he was doing his other thing. And that's what happened. You know, we, we grew at about 60% a year for nine years before we sold it. And I, man, I can't even tell you how much I learned doing that. It was, it was, here's the other thing. I loved it. It was like, I'd never worked a day in my life. So, you know, we sold it. I worked for them for another three years. I got laid off by the company that bought us. So that's more common than you think, Angela. That's <laughs> terrible. Uh, well, it happens. And so I, um, I got into real estate for a while, realized I went from a real high and I got into real estate and it was a super low. I did not like it. I was not passionate about it. And I said, look, I got to shift gears because what's the point in owning your own business if you don't love it? And that's when I shifted gears into marketing. So that's kind of the, the longish story, I guess, yeah. of how I got into marketing. And, and I've been doing it since 2013. I've had a few pivots along the way as well, but uh, here I am. So if you've been doing it since 2013 and here we are, I mean, almost a decade later, almost, depending on when you're listening to this, so much has changed in marketing. Like a lot has changed. But what I will say is that if it was even billboards or the yellow pages or whatever form of marketing way back when, and then I remember when I graduated college and my little brother's like, there's this thing called Facebook that you (laughs) can't be on because you're not in college anymore. He's like six years younger than me. But then when they came out and said, okay, you don't have to be in college. And if you have a business, you can have a business page. Like he was like, you got to do this. You got to like get this page on this thing called Facebook. And so it's just so funny to like think back, but I don't think that one thing has changed in terms of how to market. And that's like really how to identify, like, who is your client? Who are you talking to? Even if you're on a billboard on yellow pages, like, who do you want to call when they open up? And some of you listening, you might be like, what's the yellow pages. (laughs) So I'm like dating myself, but I do remember that like I would use phone books to like stack things up on, but like I never opened a yellow pages or anything. But do you think that how to identify like who your ideal target audience is or who your client is, do you think that has changed over the decade or has it evolved? I think as you pointed out, marketing has changed dramatically as a whole it's so much more, there's so many more channels than there were before. Like when I was in distribution, like websites were, were informational online brochures. Mm -hmm. There wasn't social media. I'm dating myself, but it's, it's become so much more overwhelming and there's so much more information overload that people are battling. Um, But it doesn't have to be that way. The fundamentals of marketing have not changed. The fundamentals in any discipline don't change. You know, if I want to stand up to the plate and hit a major league fastball, the way I do that, how I stand at the plate, how I hold it, my hand-eye coordination, that's the same today as it was 50 years ago. And it'll be the same 50 years from now. The same thing goes for marketing. 
You know, so when I look at the fundamentals of marketing, I call it the marketing strategy trilogy. Your target market is the place you start because that's where everything builds from. Then you have to have clear and engaging messaging to attract that target market. And you have to have some type of plan to get that message in front of those people. That's the way I look at the fundamentals of marketing. Those three things, they lay the foundation for you to build the rest of your marketing house from. Those will not change. As far as I'm concerned, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I don't think so. If I was a betting man, I would put a lot of money down because the fundamentals don't change. There are no new fundamentals. So that's the I way I look totally at it. totally agree. So target market, it hasn't changed. Now, how you identify um, how you identify where your target market is has changed because there's a lot of different channels, mm -hmm. but who your target market is and how you work through that. I think that's still the same. I think I, I completely agree. And, and that's why I bring it up. It's like, there, there's so much more noise, but yes. even before you decide like, okay, we're going to go run Facebook ads and YouTube ads. And before you even do any of that, the first thing about how to identify your ideal client is there. So if someone is brand new or they really haven't done this exercise, I'm, I'm actually amazed at how many people come to us and say, can you create an online course for us? I'm like, okay, the first question, who is your target market? Who's your perfect client? Well, I can help everybody. Yeah. And I'm like, how, and you've been in business 30 years. Okay. Well, it doesn't work that way with online courses. So what would you say to somebody? Like, is there a, a magical formula of like how to identify who you're talking to? So we, we can start here and dig into it. Okay. But yeah, the easiest place for most people to start, and this works really well for service-based businesses. I think you can modify it for product-based, but if you have been in business for a while, you have existing customers or past customers. I tell people to start by asking themselves three questions. Okay. The first question is, who do you enjoy working with? Why work with people that are going to be a pain in your neck every day? You're not going to enjoy it. So for, that's first and foremost. Second is who are your most profitable clients? If you're going to stay in business, you have to work with profitable clients. And when people dig into this, they're oftentimes surprised that their highest revenue generating clients are not actually their highest profit clients. Sometimes people, there are people that are driving volume, but they're so low margin they're not nearly as profitable as other clients. So keep that in mind. Yep. The third thing is, who do you do your best work for? You have, if you want to get great results, have happy clients, get referrals, get repeat business, you have to work with people that you get awesome results for. So if you start by asking yourself those three questions, you're gonna have this group of customers or past customers that you answered positively to all three of those questions. Take that group, then you can start to dig into what are the demographics of the people in this group? And I think equally, if not more important, are the psychographics. So what are their, what's the common problem that they have? What are their thoughts, their, their feelings? What are the results that they want? 
you know, all of those things are really, really important. But when you take that group and you look at the demographics and the psychographics, inevitably one to three subgroups come out. Those one to three subgroups, those are your ideal client groups. So that's an easy place for so many people to start if they have an existing business. If they're starting from scratch, well, Look, the world is our oyster on the, on the internet. There is so much information. We can, you know, we can look at forums. We can look at Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups. Frankly, there's people that have done all kinds of case studies and white papers for different markets. Oftentimes you can find those and start to look to dig into, hey, is this gonna be a good target market for me? And who may my ideal clients be? You know, look, one of our ideal client types is coaches and consultants. Well, not every coach or consultant is good for us, right? That's where the psychographics start to come in. If, if they've built their business on 100% referral and they're happy doing that and they don't want to market, well, I can't help them. They're never going to be good for me because they don't value marketing. They have to value marketing and they have to frankly see it as an investment, not an expense, but knowing that when I talk to people, I can start to flush that out to determine, hey, is this going to be a good client for me? So the information's, it's there. We just need to know where to go to, to get it. Yeah. And you mentioned probably the most important thing is the whole psychographic and what, what are the limiting beliefs? And, and what I have found in like doing it for my own brand is like, there's a lot of trash in my head. <laughs> so in all of our heads, all of our heads, right? Yeah. So what I think and what actually converts, meaning y'all that like people are clicking on the call to action button. And what's so cool about marketing now is there's so many platforms where you can AB split test things. You can, yes. you can actually put it out there and gather the data. And guess what? The data doesn't lie. It doesn't yep. lie to you. No. So it really removes the, I think this will work. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I like this and like what I like. And then what actually is working from a marketing perspective is like two different things. And I, I learned a few years ago, I need to like have a team do this. Like I shouldn't be the one making these decisions because the data should make the decisions. And I am so surprised almost on a daily basis. Yesterday, we were looking at two images and there was one with like a nice luxury button, like something that I would like to see. And then there was the 87% of people that clicked on the cheesy gold button with a cheesy <laughs> gold arrow. And I'm like, WTF. Okay. Yeah. Use the one that wins, but I'm over here like cringing, but you have to remember, like sometimes you, even though you own the business, you might not be your perfect client or your target audience. Yeah. And the other thing that I love about marketing right now in this day and time is when people do come to us and they're like, I think, I think, I think I'm like, you think a lot of stuff, but do you have any data to back it up? And yeah. then you let the data decide and they're just like completely blown away. And then you have two types of people, the people that say, and here's where your perfect client comes in. Okay. Well, I don't want to do that because I don't like that. So I want you to do what I want to do. And I'm like, well, you're not going to get results. So I'm sorry. There's the door. Like yeah. you can't take on clients like that because no. 
there's no results. So my next question is like, how, well, how do you deal with people like that? Do you just tell them like, there's the door? Like, what do you do? do yeah. You I mean, poli- like you know, politely, um, yeah. but it's just, Hey, we're not going to be a good fit yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Right. We're not a good fit for everybody. You're never going to be a good fit for everybody. You have, when you do this target market and ideal client work, it helps you really hone in on who you can help best. And if you can, look, we can, sometimes early on, I found myself wanting the results for some clients more than they wanted the results for themselves. That is a horrible place to be. And I, and I, you know, I got to the point where I was like, this is stupid. This makes no sense. I can't want this more than the client. And so, you know, it's where I was telling you, my wife is a, is a nurse and in, in, in healthcare, they talk about readiness to change. Well, for, for us, it's no different. Our clients, the, the level from zero to 10 on the readiness to change scale needs to be at least eight to 10, between eight to 10 for us to be able to help somebody. If they're not, if they're not ready to change, nothing's gonna, it's not gonna work. So we, we can't be all things to all people. And we have to have the wherewithal as business owners to say, you know what, I'd love to help you, but this just isn't a good fit. I know already that we're not going to be the best fit for you. And I want results for you. So, you know, we're just going to politely decline, you know, and I hope you understand. Yeah. So the, the clients that come and say, here's my message, like, or do you have people that do that? Like, they think they know. And then you're like, well, there's actually an exercise that we want to take you through because we get the best results with this. So when, when you know, you're clear, you know, you can get results, right? So how do you guys approach the whole be engaging, be clear. And the other day, somebody said, I think I was listening to a podcast. They're like, speed is clarity. When you are clear, you can go faster but without being clear and without the data backing it up, you're not going to get speed. And when you don't have clarity and you don't put a clear message out there, people make things up about you, your brand, your company, but guess whose fault that is. It's your fault. (laughs) Take accountability because you're not getting the appropriate clear message out there. That's engaging the consumer. So how would you tell someone to make sure that they're clear and engaging. So uh, we use a storytelling framework for it. And I'm sure you're based out of Nashville. We use StoryBrand. I love Donald um, Miller. <laughs> yeah, with, from Donald Miller. I when, when it was introduced to me, I was like, damn, this, this just makes sense. I get it. And when we explain it to clients, it's the same way. They just, they get it. And the frameworks and the systems for us to be successful, they're all out there. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. You know, StoryBrand, frankly, I mean, they didn't, it's based off of the hero's journey. It's, this has been Mm -hmm. in stories for years. They just adapted it so that it made sense to people so that they could use it within their business. And so Mm -hmm. that's what we use. And it's so great because you've got this framework and you've got these pieces and you know, the way I've, I heard it initially was each element in the framework is like a chord on a guitar. And hey, you don't have an infinite number of chords you can use, but you know what? If I have 10 chords, I can create a hell of a lot of music. 
I don't need every chord. And it's the same thing here. Anytime we're going to go create a message, we're not reinventing the wheel. We go back. I call it a playbook. Story brand calls it a brand script. But you can go back to that playbook and you just pull elements together like, you know, pieces for Lincoln logs and you put that little structure together and there's your message. But you're not reinventing the wheel. And because of that, you're, you're consistent because you're pulling the message from the same place every time. And if we're in marketing, we talk about the rule of seven, right? It takes at least seven impressions of your brand, your message, your offer for it to really resonate with people. Well, you know, if one time they see me and I'm talking about how I'm this great SEO person, and then the next time I'm talking about, well, I'm email marketing and I do this, 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 it's never going to register. They're like, who the hell is this guy? He's telling me something different every time. We have to be consistent. And the thing that really sits with me with StoryBrain is we have to just don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. When we try to get cute with our marketing messaging and we make people think, dude, what do they mean? We're, we're gone. We're, our attention spans are so short. We're so used to like, we have answers that the, in seconds at our fingertips. If I land on the homepage of your website and I read it and I'm like, I don't get it. What do these people do? I'm not going to stay on the site. I'm going to go back to the search results and click on the next listing. So keep it simple, keep it clear. And when you use a storytelling framework, that's exactly what it enables you to do. Now, is there, it, it's funny because my last name is Prophet. It's spelled two F's and two T's. I, I was spelled? thinking that. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so, over the years, people are like, is that your real last name? And I'm like, Years ago, someone said to me, a, a branding manager that I was working with, he's like, we are not going for cute. We are going for clarity. Yes. And so it, whenever we use the word profit, it often creates confusion. And so, but it is my real last name. And I was not born with that name. I was married. I'm no longer married, but that is not why I married the dude. And I was like 20. I was like so young. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know why my parents even let me do it, but it's okay. He was in the military. I'm not a military wife. Okay. So I'm like way too independent. And I'm like, you go be Mr. Hero man. And I'm going to go be a businesswoman. And this isn't going to work. And it was fine, but I kept the last name because professionally, everyone knew me as Angela profit, but I don't, use it a lot in marketing because it doesn't make sense because it causes confusion with, and then people misspell my last name. Right. But I will say I've learned to like own all the URLs <laughs> and the keywords and stuff to make sure no matter how people are like putting the name in, yeah. like it is spelled and people even spell it P R O P H like something from the Bible. I'm like, what Oh yes. Yes. So, you know, it, it, depending on where you go, you know, at my mother's church, you know, her friends are thinking the Bible, but in entrepreneur land, which I'm surrounded by lots of entrepreneurs because I'm very purposeful in that yeah. they're always thinking like market marketable. That's cool. Is that your real name? You know, it, it's crazy, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know if this is like a good thing or should I just go back to my main name? I don't know. But that is one thing that has always stuck with me is be clear. Don't try to be cute. Like cute yeah. doesn't win. Clear always wins. Yeah. Even in, if, if like you said, you can go to a website, it can look amazing, amazing, 
but the back end and, and the engine behind it isn't really set up correctly and it's not clear, but then you can land on a very clear website that is ugly as all get out, but, but it's working and it's converting because the way that it's built on the back end and the foundation and the clearness and, and the words, like it works. And I've yep. seen it happen way too many times in working in like weddings and events. And I, me having to tell these people, remember flash, like all the flash yes. websites. And then I'm like, Oh my God, we got to go to HTML. And like, I was the bearer of bad news. And I'm like, listen, this is beautiful, but no one's going to find you because yeah. you're not doing it the way that you got to adapt to change. Like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's just when <laughs> iPhones came out and like, we create these landing pages with the CTA and I'm like, is it in phone view? And then it's amazing when you tweak a few things and then the call to action buttons actually within the phone view and then iPhones keep changing, they get bigger and they get smaller. Yeah. And then it's like, you just tweak one thing to make sure that button is in phone view. And it's crazy how things will convert. It's like those small little things that if, if you don't know anything about marketing, you're not going to know to like yeah. look for those things. So it's crazy. So for anybody that's listening and they haven't really put together like a plan and we all overcomplicate things. Like we were talking about this earlier, but there is a simple way to like put together a plan. So for anybody that's listening, even if you've had a business for a long time and you've never really gone through this exercise, like what is a simple plan and a framework that people can use? Sure. I, so we use a 90 day marketing plan. There's six steps. Okay. And there's, there's a few reasons why I go with 90 days. One, 90 days is long enough to start to see things taking shape, but it's short enough where at the end of the 90 days, you can look at what's working, what's not, the metrics, you talked about the numbers, the data doesn't lie. So we can make course corrections and start to wash, rinse and repeat. You know, but when you look at marketing plans that are a year long or two years or three years, there's too many moving parts. It's too complicated. And you end up with, you know, this 15, 20 page document and nobody ends up using it because it's just like, it's too big. It's too complicated. So keep it simple. Here's the six steps. First, your target market. Who are your one to three ideal client types? At a minimum, I just, I want four to six sentences for each ideal client type. Who are they? demographics, some of those psychographics, just get it in there. If you start with that, you're, you're 10 times better than most people because most people don't even have that. You can certainly go deeper if you want, but let's just keep it simple. If you haven't done anything, start there. Second thing is what's your goal? We have to know where we're headed. That 90 day goal is, is, should be something that's supporting your, your one-year goal. It's going to help you get closer to that one-year goal or that three-year goal. It's going to be time-bound because it's a 90-day plan, but it should be specific too. So for example, I intend to bring on five new clients in the next 90 days. Okay. That's specific. It's measurable. We know where we're going and what our goals are. The, the third thing is what's our budget? How much money do we have to invest? And how, what do we have from a resources standpoint? And when I talk about resources, I'm talking about staff time and I'm talking about staff capability. They may have 20 hours, but they may not have the capability to, to do uh, social media or to do content marketing, right? So we have to know what their capabilities are as well. So this gives us an idea of what we have to work with. 
and how much we can bite off. If it's just me and I got $500 a month and four, four, four hours a week of time, well, I can't focus on a gazillion different channels. I need to narrow down on what I've got the capabilities to do. So that's what this third step does for us. The fourth step is what's our current marketing plan. And when I say this, Angel, I realize a lot of people may not have a current marketing plan. That's okay. All we're doing here is just taking stock and getting a baseline of where we're starting from. Because my GPS can't tell me how to get to the airport until I tell it where I'm starting from. This is no different. You can't identify what you need to do to get to where you want to be until you know where you're starting from. So the way I look at the marketing channels, I look at eight channels. I look at your fundamentals or your strategy, right? Your target market, your messaging. Then you've got your website, you have content, you have SEO, you have social media, email marketing, you have paid advertising, so Google, Facebook ads, and then you have offline marketing. Those are the eight main marketing channels that we include in the plan. All I want you to do in this fourth step, just write down what you're currently doing. If you're not doing anything, then just don't worry about it. Then in the fifth step, now you're looking at what you're gonna focus on in those channels in the next 90 days. This is what keeps you focused and eliminates the distractions so that when the next big marketing guru sends something out to you next week and says, oh my God, Angela, you gotta be on Clubhouse, it's blowing up. You can say, you know what? That may be a great idea, but it's not in my 90 day plan right now. I'm gonna put it on a list so they don't forget it. But unless I finish what's in my 90 day plan right now, I'm not doing it. And then the last step is what metrics are you gonna track? The metrics help you determine whether the actions you're taking are actually working or not. I like to tell people to keep it simple in the beginning because we can, with marketing, there are so many vanity metrics. How many followers do you have? How many people are on your email list? Blah, 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 blah. Who cares? How many leads are you generating? And how many of those leads are you converting to customers? That's what really matters. Amen. <laughs> yeah. So Amen. you could talk to somebody that has 100,000 followers on Facebook and they're not generating any leads and any new customers. So who cares? For most business owners, if they knew how many leads it took to generate a new customer, that data alone is so empowering because then you can start to look at, okay, well, what do we need to do to generate X amount of leads to get X amount of customers so that we can reach our goal? Super, super simple. If you use this plan and you just wash, rinse and repeat every 90 days, I guarantee you after a year, you'll go, oh my God, we've never gotten that much stuff accomplished. And this is a great framework because I will say two things to, to some of those things is one is it amazes me how people don't think about where their business is going. I was one of those people for about 10 years <laughs> until I surrounded myself with the right people and got the right mentor and the right business manager to help me understand. They're like, Angela, you travel all the time. You get on an airplane with a ticket and you know where you're going. And I'm like, yeah, I know the destination, but like somebody asked me where Antigua was one time. I'm like, I don't know. It could be below Florida. Like I'm not good at geography, but he's like, the point is, you know, where you're going to land. So you need to do that for your business. And so it made me think of it just a little bit differently with, with that mindset. Yeah. And then I don't know, there's like several things that you said, and I'm like, gosh, if people would just keep it simple, 
the other thing you said is like the shiny new things, right? Yes. So with Clubhouse and it's like, that's not on my board and that's not in the framework of what we put together, but you've got to have the discipline to, to, and, and what I have found is a lot of people, they have this thing called FOMO, which I had to Google yes. it and it's like fear missing out. Right. And I don't have that. And I'm really glad that I don't have that because if I did have that, and I've noticed a lot of people have it, you don't have the discipline to not get on and check out the shiny new object. So do you have any insight for people who need to practice more discipline if they want the results? Like you just said, you look back in a year and it's y'all, it's really fun if you track stuff in a Google spreadsheet with the numbers and it's like, exactly what you said. I don't really care how many follower and like what the numbers are. What are you converting? Yeah. Quality over quantity. And that's what really matters. So I don't know why people are so focused on numbers, 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 if it's not converting into dollars. I I don't know. Is, do you think that's a psychological thing? Like, I don't know. I I think it is. And I think there's so many numbers now from a marketing perspective, it's just easy to get caught up, right? It makes you, it makes us feel good knowing that we've got 50,000 followers, you know, or whatever it is, or X amount of people on our email list, but it's more, it drives the ego more than it does the, the pocketbook. Right. Um, so I just, the way I've found a plan, really, it helps eliminate that distraction. And in the absence of a plan, everything looks like an opportunity. So it's so easy to just chase it when people say it. But when you have a plan in place, if you can keep yourself accountable for executing the plan, you will start to get results, you know, because it's, I don't know, we were talking before we, we started recording about marketing being an investment rather than an expense. You know, too many people view it as, oh, this is a switch I can turn on and off. No, it's not. It's like your 401k. You need to invest in it each and every month. Marketing is like a flywheel. It takes time to gain momentum. You have to continually feed it. And as you continue to feed it, it starts to gain more and more momentum. And as long as you continue to feed it, once you reach that point of momentum, it will keep feeding your business over and over again. But if you stop, i.e. COVID hits and the first thing I'm going to cut is my marketing. Huge mistake, by the way, because all your competitors are doing it. If you keep feeding it, when they start to feed the flywheel again, it's going to take them that much longer. You are poised to just shoot through the roof because you took the time to invest. So, you know, it's plans eliminate that distraction. They keep you focused. They keep you disciplined and they, you, they keep you accountable for what you need to measure to determine what you need to do moving forward. Absolutely. Y'all listen to what Tim is saying, because (laughs) this is so important. It doesn't need to be difficult. So put a plan in place. Don't get distracted and measure the results. And if you do it once, for yourself or for one client, you know that you can get that same result when you follow the process and you follow the plan. Super important. If people want to connect with you, Tim, where, what's your favorite platform? What's on your board? (laughs) You know what? The best place to go is just our website, which is rialtomarketing.com. So it's R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. 
I, we've talked about a lot of stuff at a pretty high level. So one of the things I did too is put together some resources for your listeners. There's, if they don't need to opt in, if they just go to rialtomarketing.com forward slash business dash unveiled, there's free resources there about all these fundamentals that we talked about to help them get started. If they get started and they're put, they're hitting roadblocks, just click to get a free consult button. I'd be happy to talk to you and help you push through those and get some clarity. That's so awesome. And y'all, if you're driving, don't stop. Like yeah. <laughs> we will put everything in the show. We have people that will contact us and say, well, I was driving and can you send me that link? And it's like, yes, everything is in the show notes. Like we want you to be safe. We love yes. it when people listen on their commute, but we will put everything in the show notes. This is super, super valuable. And I think like any business owner who doesn't have a plan, please go and download these things and go through it. It, it was such a game changer for us a few years ago when we really started to get serious about marketing. So it's really life-changing. So one last question, Tim, what's your favorite productivity hack? Oh man, my favorite productivity hack. I would say one of the things that I use every single day is Loom. L-O-O-M. Yes. Have you ever heard of Loom? I love yeah. it. Yeah. Screen, it's a screen recording software. I, the people on our team are all over the place. They're, they're overseas. I use Loom for so much stuff. It's just, I can shoot something, show somebody how to do something, give it to them and go, hey, can you create some operating procedures from this? I can show somebody exactly the problem I'm experiencing. Frankly, I've used it for tech support. Like I got a problem with a vendor that we're working with and I'm like, hey, here's exactly what's going on. Here's the Loom video. There's no back and forth stuff going, oh my God, they don't get it. I shoot a Loom video, I give them the link and I'm done. So that's when I use every single day. I love it. And y'all, there's a free version. And then guess what? When you get too many videos, they're going to tell you, you got to pay for more space, which is... (laughs) But it's okay. It's so worth it because it saves so much time from a productivity perspective of the back and forth. So I love it. It's a hundred bucks a year if you pay for it, I think. So yeah, super affordable. Yeah. I I save way over a hundred dollars a month using it. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, Tim, this was awesome. Thank you so much for your time and everybody listening. Thank you so much. And be sure to tune in next week to another episode of Business Unveiled. Bye y'all. That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at angelaprofit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights and I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.